First Light. First Light Camo. We uh, rock a lot of their gear a lot of the time. In fact, on a daily basis, I wear an article of First Light clothing, whether it be underwear or one of their uh, their merino wool t-shirts. Great stuff. If you are a whitetail hunter, it's great stuff if you hunt out west. We love it. Their wool is top of the line. Merino wool is the way to go. I'll never wear anything but merino. And they've got the new gray color. Yes. Uh, check that out. It's really sweet. Firstlight.com. Is that HuntWise? <laughs> <laughs> Get uh, it. Another sponsor of this podcast is HuntWise. It's an app that's basically your one-stop shop when you want to do anything with hunting on your phone. Um, it's got social media. It's got mapping software. It has a place to buy gear. Um, it's it's awesome. And actually, this past weekend, Jared and I went to the ATA show and parked downtown. And Jared, you used your HuntWise app in a very creative sure way. Well, how'd you use it? Plotted a spot where the car was parked and then tra- <laughs> tracked the map all the way to the theater. So it'll help you find your tree stand or your parked car. If you want to learn more, go to HuntWise.com. Last but not least, Stierka Optics. Stierka Optics. Do you say Stierka? I say Stierka. Great binoculars, great rifle scopes. Yeah. I'm actually going to be rocking one on my uh, AR build that I have. A little red dot action. Great warranty made in the U.S. Uh, Check them out. StierkaStrong.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you listened in last week, we talked with Josh Kirchner otherwise known as the dialed-in hunter. We talked to him all about budgeting, where to start, what you're going to be budgeting for, the who, what, when, where, why, and how to save up for an out-of-state hunt. But this week, we're going to be taking that newly formed budget, and we're going to be talking about starting your gear list, or if you already have one, perfecting it and modifying it so that it can fit the terrain and climate for your out-of-state hunt. So follow along and let's strengthen your hunt. I want to I want to especially obviously talk about like clothes and just layering and stuff. We actually got a bunch of questions in the past probably two weeks about it. So cool. um, people are just like, well, what kind of you know? How do you layer? How do you plan? How do you like pack light but what have do I stuff? Need? Yeah, exactly. Like stuff with you, but you're not like bogged down with a bunch of gear. So. Okay, what well, you good to go? Where are you right now? I am actually back in Ketchum. I'm sitting at my desk for the first time like 20 days or something like that. I was gonna so, say you've been on the long circuit. Where, where was your la- was it Sheep Show or Shot or what was the last one? We started in Dallas and then I went to Sheep Show and then I was at Shot Show for a few days. Yeah, just kind of we're releasing a new rifle with Sig Sauer. Yeah, sweet. I was out there for that launch and then um, just walking the floor for a day. It's pretty good, man. Pretty yeah, good. And you've been fitting in some good hunts. Oh man, it's like the only thing. It's like a saving grace. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. gotta, you gotta have that. You were hunting so. Chucker. Was that what I saw with Up Chucker? Yeah, we hunted Chucker with Travis and, and Matt from uh, Matt's from Pheasants Forever, and and Travis runs Up Chucker and in, in there and outside of Reno. So we were down there for a couple of days, and we had an extra day, and those guys hit us up, and you know they they've been good buddies with Ross for a long time, which it was just a. It was just awesome, man. It's just so good to stretch the legs, and we had a good day working working over those phenomenal dogs, you know. What state was that in? That's in Nevada. That's in Nevada. Right on the California border, though, basically. Okay, that's where Steve and those guys will go every every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, it's it's a pretty appropriate topic, then, that we wanted to cover with you today. Sure. Out-of-state hunts and planning your gear. So, first off, how many, and I maybe you won't even be able to give a number, but how many out-of-state hunts have you been on? How many states oh, have you boy. hunted? Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Well, without, I don't want to sound arrogant. You know, I've had a lot of cool opportunities. Right. But I've hunted basically every state 
I think every state west of the Mississippi and then a few east of Mississippi. Typically, I try to fit at least one or two in a year, but that's as of late, too. You know, this wasn't something that was accessible to me from the get-go. Right. And I didn't really grow up around people that spent their time out of state hunting. It was just kind of more of a collective effort at the home front, you know? But yeah, so I've been, I've I've focused most of my time in, in Oregon the last probably decade or so. That's where you're from, right? Well, I'm actually from Minnesota originally, right. but I moved to Oregon when I was a, a young man to fight wildland fire. And then sort of from that point, I, I had, was introduced to elk hunting, and that's kind of what sort of piqued my interest in yep. in both the backcountry elements of hunting and then also just checking out different areas, you know, learning how to look at a map and, and find a honey hole, so to speak. So, yeah, I've, I've hunted uh, significantly out west, you know, in, in a lot of different places, man, from from Texas all the way to, to Idaho and, and California and Nevada and, and parts of the Intermountain West too, Colorado and, yep. and Wyoming and things like that. Very lucky, very very blessed. Pigs in California or what were you hunting out there? Actually, mostly waterfowl. We did okay. a, a trip with Ben Potter from Con Outdoors yeah. a few years back. And, He's and, got uh, good, filmed... he makes good content. He's a cool guy. He does. He's a, you know, the, the best part about it is there's a, there's a lot of good content creators out there. He just does it the right way and he's just such a, extraordinary human too he's just he's a a nice person a really kind guy and and showcasing sort of the the new vision of of hunting in in the united states you know and it's just one of those things that like he does such a good job of telling a story and i know that's pretty cliche yeah but he's sort of changed the game you know in the new era of of filmmaking and also in still photography and sort of all-encompassing he's doing this cool project called hunt 41 right now which is basically hunting across all of the places you can kill ducks and he's trying to kill all 41 species of ducks oh, with yeah. the team. Cool. And it's just been really fun to watch him sort of grow and evolve as a, as a content creator and as a storyteller. I think yeah. that's kind of the, the biggest thing there. You know, he's, he was just featured, I can't remember if it was outdoor life or outdoor magazine or something, but just on his style. So yeah, a really good guy. Yeah. He, uh, he did, I think elk fever, like the, the yeah, new yeah. elk fever yep. videos, which are cool. Yeah, it's it's a different take on you know otherwise somewhat overdone right sort of platform you know or or uh, or venue I should say yeah just a just an outstanding guy he's a good friend of mine and, and we talk often and uh, can't say enough good things about him for sure that's very cool well mm-hmm. so yeah. you're Minnesota guy which means you've done some some whitetail hunting oh yeah you've done some out of state still do hunting. you still do some yes yeah, still do yeah where do you go primarily for to get your whitetail fixed now. Well, it, it kind of depends. We have a, a deer shack back in Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, kind of north central Minnesota. So I, I'm uh, over. I try to get back there at least every other year. But this year we were we were in uh, Missouri and Nebraska, nice. and we we've hunted with a few folks that are on our our pro team, and, and we were shooting some content. And so I, you know, you get to see a lot of cool country from the from the sort of the hardwood flats of Missouri, yep. which kind of turn into rolling hills of the Ozarks, all the way to those like deep, coolie river bottoms in western Nebraska that are just uh, outstanding deer country. Yep. And just really awesome places. And, you know, the kits differ from place to place, even if you're hunting the same species, which is pretty cool. So when you're when you're looking to go out of state, and we'll, we'll talk whitetail um, today, you're planning your gear, where do you start? Like, how, how do you figure out, you know, what, what you're taking with you? That's a great question. I, I think uh, first and fo- foremost, I think we talked a little bit about this, but I start with my feet, man, because I think like when we're talking about gear, obviously like weapons important, the clothing's important, right. the gear is important, but starting with a pair of boots that, that are sufficient for both the environment you're in and also sort of the type of hunting you're doing. Yeah. It's whether you're sitting in a tree or, or you're hiking t- 12 miles a day, that's where you want to start. So for me, at least I'm, 
I always have like three boots, pairs of boots sort of like ready to go. And there's a few exceptions there. Like if you're going to hunt Texas, you need to have snake boots. Right. It's kind of just a, a thing. But for me, I, I always have like an early season pair of boots, sort of an all-encompassing mountain boot, and then a pair of whitetail boots that I always have sort of on hand ready to go. Your shin boots are like the shin high boots, knee high boots. Yeah, just something that, you know, I wore lace ups a long time, but uh, lacrosse boots makes just this great boot called Alpha Burley that yeah. I really, really enjoy. It's just awesome. And they're actually slightly hikeable too, which is, is kind of strange for a rubber boot. Right. You'll definitely sweat in them because they're insulated, but they're just such a good piece. And they allow you a little more flexibility when it's when you're in wet ground and things like that. And they're also really applicable in the waterfowl space too, if you're hunting right. fields or whatever. So we'll rock the the lighter boots, like uh, hiking boots, with with gaiters for the early season. Yeah. If because yeah. where we are, it's pretty swampy, so it's sure. like you always have to be able to get in the muck a little water. bit. And this year, yeah. I, was, I was telling Jared, I got hip boots just so I can get a little deeper in because there are some spots where. It's like, oh, that would go would definitely go past my knees. And then the whole time when I'm sitting in the Swap tree, I'm going to be sad about it. Yeah, so for, for the early season stuff, you know, most of the stuff we're doing in September is elk hunting here. Right. And I've kind of transitioned from like a full force, four or five flex, like mountain boot into mm-hmm. just a, a soft-soled Solomon. So I, I run the Solomon Quest 4Ds usually. That's what I have. Is that? Yeah, they're yeah. pretty sweet, man. They're, they're definitely quiet. They definitely wick a little water away. And I just like the fact that they come up. I kind of have soft ankles, unfortunately. So I like that they come up kind of over the ankle. Yep. So they're a little more stiff. But yeah, just something that I think the biggest thing I can tell like tell folks is like you, you got to have the right pair of boots yep. wherever you're going because that's going to make or break. It's kind of like protect your protecting your hands and feet is pretty pretty essential in all these things. Well, you know, and it's, it's good to point out too, like the ankle support. Because mm-hmm. I too, I, I have some soft ankles. Actually, <laughs> I owe my soft ankles to Jared. Yep. So Jared oh, nice. and I, uh, we grew up playing soccer together, and we okay. were in practice once. We were doing these header drills, so you cross it, and you're, you're trying to head it, you know, as you're working on whatever, being yeah, aggressive. Yeah. So I go up, and Jared goes up, and I feel like you, this is how I, I saw it. You realized that I was going to j- out-jump you, whatever, and I was going to get to the ball before you. So what you decided to do is undercut me a little mm. bit and just thought, you know, that's the only way that I could ever beat James. Shouldn't have tried right. to jump over me, man. And so I landed, and I I sprained my ankle like bad. And so ever yeah. since then, it's just any little like anything uneven. I'm just rolling my ankles like crazy. Yeah, that's a that's a real thing, especially when you get out west, man. Like the the country here is just a little bit meaner. And I was the same way playing basketball and stuff growing up. You just you just beat up your ankles. Yeah. So. Something that's going to offer you support, but also offer you the right amount of footbed and, and give in the right conditions. You know, everybody makes a really good. There's actually, I shouldn't say that. There's a few companies that make really good early season boots. Yeah. Solomon's one of them. Uh, Shanae's makes a great boot. So I've been I've been kind of experimenting a little bit. We're fortunate enough to you know have access to some of this stuff and test it out. And we spend a lot of days in in the field, so it's good yeah. to kind of. And if guys don't have the chance to do that, the thing I would say is like pick something that foot feels good on your foot and then really utilize that shoe or boot, you know, not just in hunting season. And I know it's kind of goes without saying, but so many guys show up when we were guiding elk hunts, they'd show up and their boots would be, you know, straight out of the box. Right. And people are making boots that can do that now, but it's not still a good ones. idea to just, <laughs> yeah, well, it's still a good idea just to understand how your feet are going to react differently, especially when it comes like people's feet are different right so right. you might need to figure out oh i need insole here maybe my i need to wear this pair of socks and i think just spending time with your gear is probably the most important concept here oh it's huge and feet i mean are the biggest so two years i went out and i had plantar fasciitis like bad oh, yeah. when i was out in colorado and the whole time at night i just would 
my feet would ache. And the next right. day is just brutal to get up and just be, <laughs> just know you're going to be putting on miles mm-hmm. and just be yeah. swollen or whatever happens with that. Um, so this, you know, it, it brings up a good question. So in the summer then, are you, are you testing gear out before you, you go out? Like you, yeah, you're, you're hitting the field quite a bit with it. Yeah, I, I try to walk a, a pair of soles off a boot, for lack of a better term. Um, we do a lot of, like, training hikes around here in the summertime. Yeah. Um, we're fortunate to live in pretty pretty mean, steep country, so you can figure out pretty quickly if a pair of boots is going to work for you. Right. But, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely spending at least three afternoons a week, you know, oh, wow. um, with some weight on my back and, and trying to hike. And we do a lot of scouting, obviously, so that's kind of the best way to test things out because, you know, you're not far from home, and, and you can make things happen if something goes wrong. So Yeah, so feet. I mean, obviously, hugely important, and yeah. you're a first light guy, so clothes has to be yeah. important. Yeah, certainly, and it, I guess the, this begs the question too. You know, are we talking like it depends on what type of hunt we're looking at? Yeah. Like, if we're talking about my kit for three week whitetail trip through the Midwest, when we're you know truck yeah. staying in a truck and, and staying in cabins and stuff is a lot different because you have a lot more capacity. Right. You want to just start with like Western hunts and go from there. Yeah, let's start. Let's start Western, but whitetail. Yeah, sure. Sure. So I, I mean, like the Western whitetail thing is a little different. So right. I consider like Nebraska Western state, you know, yep. and in that vein, I think the the thing you got to start with on all these is sort of your base layer and understanding that the different temperatures are going to work differently with different pieces of gear uh, and your body. So typically for whitetail, what I'm always bringing, no matter what, typically whitetail hunting, the heart of it's in November. So it's pretty chilly mm-hmm. from the base layer standpoint. I'm always bringing um, our furnace long johns and our furnace uh, quarter zip, yep. which is our heaviest weight. It's a 350 gram uh, weight merino axe material. Mm-hmm. That stuff is just such a killer piece. You know, a lot of guys like to layer both under that and over that, but I, I wear that right next to our skin. We're next to my skin. Just a phenomenal setup for ultimate warmth when you're sitting still. So from there, I usually bring a couple kits of that because I like to swap stuff out. Mm-hmm. So I usually bring two of each. And then from there, I'm starting to build out my insulation. So from the furnace, I usually am wearing uh, the Klamath hoodie on top. Love that hoodie. Yeah, it's a great piece. Mm-hmm. It's a, gr- a grid fleece piece, so it's not wool, but it, it acts as a, a great warmth layer. And from there, I, I usually rock some type of vest. You know, we're just coming out. We've got a few new vests. I was testing the Catalyst vest, which actually drops this next week. I wore that quite a bit. And then on top of that, I'm usually either rocking our Solitude jacket or our Sanctuary jacket, just depending on the type of type of mm-hmm. country got, you're in. And We love the solitude yeah that's awesome. yeah it's bombproof awesome. man we spent a whole week just pretty much wearing that mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm i've been pleased with that just from a temperature swing range like it's got such good venting that yeah. in the in the warmer afternoons you know the two o'clock sit you're able to kind of like walk into a stand and not sweat it out yeah uh, but also you know we tested it down to a mean mean 20 degrees with some stiff crosswind and yep. with the right layering stuff it's pretty awesome we tested it out down to what four degrees we we, we you know what? Nice. We, we threw the uncompagre underneath it you did yeah i did because i didn't want to be cold yeah. and it was i mean the nice thing is it it's got those sleeves that are kind of articulated so it, it fit perfectly like i was warm my face got a little cold because I, I can sure. never put what you need to figure out at first light is a face system for a guy that wears glasses. Yeah, there you go. You so know, because like, I can't put anything over my nose, and my tip of my nose sometimes gets so <laughs> freaking cold. Yeah, I get it. I get it, man. I think, you know, at that temperature, too, what I would recommend folks, like the most versatile 
whitetail system we make is that solitude but if you're in that kind of yeah uh, that upper midwest stuff i think the sanctuary it just is so good because it just allows you to ha- not have to layer quite as heavily mm-hmm. yeah and then you're, you're talking about drawing your bow with four jackets on that gets a little little western pretty quick exactly now those those furnace lawn johns you have on and you said they're going to be yep. that perfect weight for a sitting position yeah so if you decided to get up and start walking around is that i mean is that going to be really hot or is that going to be no, hot, I, no i think you know, the nice part about that is if you sweat that, that generated power of merino wool is that it's going to wick that moisture away from your body. Right. Regardless if it's, you know, you could wear them if it's 60 degrees. I wouldn't really recommend it because we have other options there. But if that's all you're going to get, I would I would say like the furnace stuff for the cold weather is awesome. You can still hike it though because it's merino wool and it's going to be able to wick that sure. moisture away as you do sweat. Uh, the biggest thing when you're sitting still is not having that moisture sort of sit around your sort of what we consider your key heat elements in your body. You really don't want sweat, you know, around your your uh, your thighs, your crotch, even your feet. You know, it's not Jared, a good not a good thing. So. Your sweaty crotch. Hey, that's right. It's we don't have that. Own. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've seen, and what I've noticed is you've got you know you've got a new kind of new gear out this year. Yeah. The zip up the side of the leg to take this stuff on and off without taking layers? your boots off. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that stuff's going to be pretty revolutionary. You know, the nice part about that is they do zip off from sort of your foot all the way to to the top of your hip. And the nice part about those is the the connection point of where that zipper marries up to sort of the flap in which it sort of gets uh, seated at the top of your hip yeah. is almost flush to your skin. So you're not going to feel that bump, so to speak. Like yeah. you, might, you might find that in other competitive products. So we tried to design that. It's incredibly durable. The zippers are great. Can uh, you, you feel really the zipper on your legs at all? No, you can't, no. you know, and, and that's the thing is like we, we designed it with that intention, right? Because that's a, obviously a place where you're going to feel pretty chilly if there's metal on your right. on your leg. That's been sort of a, a revolutionary product for us. And we're going to make those uh, in three different weights, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be similar to our current Long John lineup, but they'll have the, the fuse, the kiln, and the furnace. The furnace will be a three-quarter zip. Yeah. Or sorry, not a three quarter zip, a three quarter length. So they, they sit above your boot. And then the other, the, the fuse will also be in that zip off boot top. Right. Okay. Well, we call them where, where we come from. I mean, they're all long johns, but if yep. I'm wearing them, they're long gyms. And yeah, if Jared's right. wearing them, they're long rods, which long is rods. just funny. Yep. It's how you make it your own, really. That's right. That's right. But those those three pieces are awesome too. And I got to wear those quite a bit. And I was actually testing all different kinds of weights and different combinations. And been pretty pleased with those things man they they are incredible as far as being able to you know if you're hiking in somewhere and it's going to be hot you, you don't need to put them on right away you right can actually put them on when you get to your stand if you have that versatility just a just an awesome thing man and it's uh it's just changed sort of changed the game for me as a, as a western hunter too hey i've walked out in my boxers before i can i've I can seen do it, it. <laughs> yeah there you go it, it, i get yeah, it it was october and it hit 80 degrees we're going yep, in on i remember that and i'm like i ain't walking in with all this stuff when we first yeah, got yeah, it there, it. it was like 30 degrees, and then like in a day, it was 50 degrees warmer. We didn't see anything. Nope. Northern That'll happen, man. That'll happen. So your, your basic, so basic, like the basic clothing system would be, and correct me if I'm wrong, you got your base layer, you got your insulation layer, you have a shell layer. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. For the whitetail side, certainly. And, and there's people that, uh, and a lot of folks here, uh, if we're talking simplicity sake, yeah. that's what I would go with. I think that there's uh, what people fail to realize is there's a, a really awesome way to incorporate multiple wool base layers mm-hmm. into your system. So, you know, we, we run from sort of the, the warmest application to the coldest as far as temperature. Yep. So you go from wick to fuse yep. to kiln to furnace, essentially, mm-hmm. with a few other things in there. 
And, and that's what's really crucial to understand is like as you get heavier in weight, you're basically adding extra layers of warmth and you can just take and give yep. um, depending on what your situation is too. Yeah. And so, yeah, t- I mean, while we're on the topic, new things coming from First Light, you know, aside from, yeah. from this stuff, you've got a new color. Yep, we do. That ash gray color uh, launched this year. Uh, I think that's going to be an awesome, both applicable in, in sheep hunting situations with that gray. It's almost like a shale color. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, when you're in situations that... You don't necessarily want to blob. You're you're in open country. It's just a it's a it's a great color. You yeah. know, obviously there's a lot of movement towards solid hunting or solid color hunting. Yeah. But we wanted to create a color that wasn't just didn't just look good, but was effective in the field as well. And you know, I think you'll see that with this as well. Yeah, I mean that would even work in like a tree, right? You got the gray blue sky behind you. Sure. Yeah, I could see that definitely. And I, I'm I like I like the the solid color. So I'm I'm all about that gray. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I usually typically wear in any situation. I'm usually wearing solid bottoms yep. and then and then a camo top. And then I think what's really important too, at least in the western game, is uh, just covering your face and your ears. I think those are weird shapes in nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's really crucial. So you know we have a lot of like uh, face concealment stuff, and and that that's important too. And and I think you know. For our, I'm sure there's guys that kill elk still in flannels and blue sure. jeans, but the reality is like every, we'll take every advantage we can get, right? So the, the camel patterns definitely come into play there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to need any any help I can get. I'm actually glad we're talking about this because I actually had a question about the gray. Okay. Yeah. So my understanding is that deer see blues and grays, I think one other color. Yellow. A, lot, a little yellow, bit, I think. A lot more than they can see the other colors. It pops. So which... Which is why at dawn and dusk they're able to see so much better. So if if yeah. I'm wearing gray, does like I thought I remember reading that you guys I guess engineered the color to be less a gray if I'm saying that right or less. Skinny. Yeah. So I you know ideally from from my understanding deer can basically see whites and blues. Right. And so the gray spectrum doesn't really fall into that. I mean it certainly like. Is when you're talking about concealment, especially in the tree stand, you're talking about basically yardages of engagement, right? right? So in the solid colorway or what we're calling a colorway, the the gray fits nicely in that in that spectrum, mm-hmm. especially with a little bit of a breakup from from trees mm-hmm. and branches and things like that. So. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, that makes a lot of sense because it's like a softer color. It's not too right. white. It's not too dark. Right. The problem with darker, yeah. even like photorealistic camo, is when you're up, like when you're far away from it, it just you're looks just like a blob. big black or brown or green, right. depending on what camo you're wearing. Yeah, and that's the nice part about both fusion and ciphers. They have micro and yeah. macro elements yep. to the camo, so your engagement at 500 yards and 10 yards is essentially doing the job. Right. right? Yeah, it's been huge for us for for choosing to wear first light yeah. for the longest time. That right there. Mm-hmm. So when you're out there, I mean, clothes, you got boots. You looking at first aid? Are you bringing a kit with you when you go out? Yeah, hundred percent. Especially if I'm in the backcountry, you know, a simple mm-hmm. first aid kit. Yeah, you know, honestly, like if you you want to have stuff in there that can mitigate issues from you know broken or snapped femur all the way to cutting your hand on, on a Havilon or yeah. whatever. And I think the biggest thing there is obviously you're you're sacrificing weight for some of those things, but there's some great kits out there, med kits yeah. for backcountry application. So like I have a if we're if we're like deer hunting out of the truck, I have a great kit in my truck that just lives there i think it's called my medic and i think i got it from rei yeah we'll have to that one kind of goes in my pack and a few other things too you know there's a great there's some great resources on the internet about like what you need specific to your your area and what you might expect yeah. but just being prepared is better than being not prepared so having the ability to have that stuff is important 
much like a pair of boots though if you don't know how to use it you're pretty much hosed right. so any kind of like classes people can take from like uh you know simple seat is really crucial a lot of good programs out there i think it's important to at least know how to u- use everything in your kit yeah because if you don't know how to use like a uh, Sam splint, right? You know, it's not going to help you when you when you break an ankle or whatever. You know, I don't yeah. think you, James, know how to use a Sam splint. You know, you know what? You don't know what I don't know. <laughs> here's here's what you, you know how to put on your pants, and that's about here's it. my tip. If you want to learn how to do first aid, watch The Office. Have you seen the one where they <laughs> cut off go. the dummy's yeah. face? <laughs> one of the funniest. That's right. Yeah, that's good stuff. And practice is huge. Because like Jared, you're right. Like honestly, if I fall and you're with me, I'm, I feel like you could at least you know hook me up. What if I'm a mile away? But if I'm calling really loud, <laughs> if it's just so if fun. I'm getting if if you get hurt, man, I'm just gonna shoot you in the back country, put you out of your misery. Is that all right? There you you go. do that to me. Yeah. I, I mean, if I had to, dude, put you down. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. That's friend, a good. I, I would have to live with hey, the rest you know of my life. Then I appreciate my you. Yeah, you know, just not many out. people would do that. I'm gone. All right, so you got all this stuff. You're gonna need to put it in a backpack, right? Right. Uh, to carry it around. I mean, even whitetail hunting. Jared and I are, are generally finding ourselves find ourselves using more of a, a western hunting setup because. We're, we're pretty mobile carrying you know our, yep. our, our saddle and our, our sticks on our back what what kind of pack are you looking at that's a great question i think the the biggest thing you need to look at is again what sort of situation you're getting yourself into yep. and understanding that you got to have an adequate way to get the, your gear and your stuff out too right. so I, I think you know i i run an exo pack i've, I've got their new k3 system oh, yeah. super lightweight really nice for the backcountry I'm looking at anywhere from, you know, running a 3,200 pack all the way up to their, uh, you know, their, basically you can get to their 4,800 pack, which will satisfy you for multiple days. But I think just understanding sort of what kind of time frame you're looking right. at and then understanding sure. what, what you need to bring and how that's all going to fit together. I will say, again, like everything, you should know how to take that, that bag off the frame right. to, to like mess reset to carry quarters. Yep. Yeah, yeah, understand a little bit better because a lot of times when we're hunting elk, it's pretty crucial to get that meat off the hill quickly yeah. when it's hot. And also, you want to know how to do it in the dark too, because that's seemingly when elk like to die in dark places. So <laughs> yeah, um, deep down, it's just one of those. Yeah, yeah, in a in a in a in a draw somewhere is usually where they like to go. So understanding how to use it, but any there's a lot of great packs out there, and I think just the biggest thing is fit within your body too, yeah. because like for instance, I have a pretty short torso and super long legs, so the K3 from the Exo Mountain Gear, they, that works really well for yeah. me. But it just depends. You know, there's a lot of different things out there. I think also understanding what organizational needs you need right. and making sure, especially on the whitetail side, I was gonna uh, say. knowing where your stuff is and, and how you need to get it out and, and from a tree. You know? Yeah, that's a big thing. Hanging it, getting it all hung up in the tree. I mean, we practiced a lot this summer. Mm-hmm. We were switching to the, the saddle, but getting your making it so your back can hang up there so at least it can expand when you need it to, but be small when you need it to and hang there and you can get at stuff quietly. I just want the perfect right. pack. I know that can do everything. And, and but you Kevin pointed out a good a good point. Like cubic inches is huge because I'm thinking like last uh, two years ago I, when I was out in Colorado or no last year when I was out in Colorado, I had a 28 200, uh, 2800 cubic inch is that cubic inch 2800 2800 pack for like a week long hunt hunt out in the backcountry. So I'm like carrying other bags out 
I'm like attaching stuff to the outside of the pack. You know, like it was it was <laughs> so an ugly all yeah, situation, yeah. and it it makes walking so much harder because you're like swinging and stuff's pulling you from behind. Yeah, like an old prospector coming down the trail. <laughs> Pots know? and pans. Hey, <laughs> seriously, it's yeah. kind of what it was like. So getting a, the right. right, you know, or even a bag that expands and contracts. You know, Seek Outside's oh, yeah. got some good ones that we've been looking at. Mystery Ranch, lots of good options out there. Exo is great. Yeah, and and the other thing you you pointed out is just testing it in the off season, like putting weight in it, seeing right. what it's like how you can you know load it up to your body because like you said elk go in dark places and die same with deer half my deer i feel like yep. die in a stream somewhere and it's just ugly to get <laughs> yep. them out and they're wet and they're heavy and it's just a pain so that's right you know you actually that's another good point the dark lights right are you a headlamp yep. guy i would assume yeah i carry three lights in my pack so i have just a little mag light that stays in my pack just for you know, what it's if. super bright yep. and it allows me to find shit that I've thrown, right. you know, basically. <laughs> right. And then I carry a headlamp and a backup headlamp and then also some extra batteries too, just in case. Cause yeah. you can get out of there when it's dark, but it's really nice to be able to have some backup lights here and there. I really like a few different lights, but really the, it doesn't really matter. It just matters, you know, what you can get your hands right. on and, and that it's effective, you know? Yeah. I've got the, what is that? Black diamond. I feel like it's a good light, Yeah, but I run through batteries quick on it. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, typically typically with those higher uh, illumination lights, they do, they do suck down battery. And a lot of times, too, sometimes what will happen is that your light will actually get pushed on in your Yes, in your that bag. happens all the time. I hate that. Yeah, so what I like to do on that in that front is I like to try to get a little bit of an organization kit in there in which I can like at least either keep that button from going off or in a place where I can see if it's been right. you know ticked on. And that's pretty pretty easy to see when it's even when it's light outside. Yeah. You know? So Jared and I are going on a, a backcountry whitetail hunt this year. Big important thing, you know, and we've we've done this a couple of times now is water, right? That's like yep. number one thing to figure out. Um, we we were, run filters. Uh, what, what's your kind yep. of approach for for water purification? Man, that's a good question. You know, I, I do like filter. I think that that's probably your safest right. bet as far as you know getting getting clean water. They tend to sometimes not hold up to abuse as well. So, like, I, I usually carry tablets, too. Okay. Uh, just purification tablets. I think that's really crucial, much like a headlamp, to have multiple ways. I like to think about this as, like, what are the things that I cannot live without right. or that'll kill me? And obviously, like, water and medical is top tier. Yeah. So, yeah, I think any any sort of way in which you can get clean water is pretty important. And then I'd assume, like, you know, if you're not in a, a clean water system, like, if you're not in the backcountry Idaho or, or in Alaska or whatever, where the water's pretty pure to start yeah. with, if you're sucking water out of a out of a out some kind of sink or whatever, then the filter helps because it, it generally gets that shit out of there pretty quickly. Yeah. Problem there is it can clog up. Uh, pretty fast yeah we what do you have again the sawyer sawyer yeah i had the steri pen for a while and i was it worked yeah. fine it's just a little unsettling just to put a light in there and assume that it's cleaning you know what i mean right right and right. then there's still goobers like floating around <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. i filtered it yeah. I, what i would do is pour it through my face mask like my like my merino yeah. like neck gator so it filter a little bit about dries real quick and you still get but you still get the goobers like some goobers and now and you're like, drinking yeah. sweat and you're just also just trusting a light uh, which again, like a lot of people swear by it, and, and it worked for me. I didn't get the, the backcountry poops, but still, it's it's still it's a weird thing. Right, certainly. Yeah, I think that again, that takes a lot of research and a lot of use to understand what works best for you. Yeah. Food. You uh you a uh, mountain house guy? I am actually. I've been experimenting with a couple different things. I really like the peak refuels. I yeah. think it's just a better option as far as uh, you know. This the sodium is really what kills me. Like the high oh, levels yeah. of sodium, you're kind of already at a disadvantage. Probably hydrated anyway so that somewhat helps you yeah. have a little bit more salt back in your diet 
typically for me, it doesn't work so great with high sodium. I just get a little clogged up. Yeah. Yep. So I've been switching back and forth between Heather's choice and then peak refuel. And I, I like the peak refuel because they taste really delicious. Yeah. Um, whereas Heather's choice is they're a little bit more expensive, but you're getting some quality ingredients in there too. Yeah. And honestly, man, like if I can, I will sacrifice weight for real food whenever possible. Right. So the thing we started doing, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, is just like making a bunch of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or peanut butter and bacon yeah, sandwiches. Girl. And I think the, the thing about that is like you can make 10 of them and smush them down yeah. just as like a, there's something about eating real food, especially when it comes to carbohydrates and a little bit of protein that can really up your day. Uh, it's also a morale booster for sure. Yeah, that PB&J, man. That Change your life. The spot. Yeah. Yeah, because after a while, you know what? You bring up a good point. A lot of times when I'm out there, for some reason, I get like this salt, like, Salt thirst. crave. Like, I just cannot get enough. I, I feel like I never have enough salt out. So I bring a little tube of it now. Right. A little tube of salt, a little tube of oil, you know? Oh, yeah. Especially if you I get, get something back, back there. You got to cook it up. Mm-hmm. That's right. You, you, do you do any pre-made dehydrated? Have you ever messed with any of that stuff? No, you know, I think that just comes down to, like, time. Right. And we're kind of zooming around quite a bit. So I, I tend to not have – man, I haven't even got to my, like, deer grind this year yet. You right. know what I mean? So I think uh, at this point I'm, I'm basically just buying those meals. I think that that also helps a lot to be able to do your own stuff because you can control what's going into your body. Yeah. But we have, you know, there's a lot of guys around here that make their own jerky and, and then also can dehydrate all their meals and stuff. But I think – when it, when it comes down to the time of it, I, I just I feel as though you can get decent meal, not a great meal, but a decent meal for eight bucks or whatever. It's kind of hard to beat. Yeah, for so for a guy like me, I've got allergies, food allergies, right? Gluten yeah. and dairy and everything, you know. So which makes a lot of those backcountry meals tricky because they have some sort yeah. of something like that in there. So I've had to yeah. do a lot more dehydrating stuff. Who did we talk to that gave us? That's one of, somebody we had on talked a lot about dehydrating and it, it's something sure. i've been messing around with and like oh dialed in yeah so what, what i just did last night jared i didn't even tell you this do you know what a kohlrabi is no it's like a root vegetable it's kind of like a like a potato mixed with an apple what? right it's it's a weird i'll have to show you anyways i dehydrated i soaked it in uh vinegar put some salt on it okay pepper like chips they're freaking awesome like it, it's a it's a i literally because kohlrabi are gross they're not a good vegetable to eat you uh, salt it up in there, throw some vinegar on it. It's not bad. Nice. Yeah, I think that's that's a challenge, certainly. I think, you know, obviously there's more and more food allergies and, and intolerances that have come out. And in the past, people probably just suffered through it. But I think now there's there's actually some quality options out there, too. Uh, and and they, that might be limiting for some people, but I do think it's uh, one of those deals where you can you can certainly get into it yourself and, and understand what exactly you're putting in your body. You right. know? The one thing I'll say, too, is like what I think is really important is recovery. And learning how to eat that stuff too, and what your body how, how it reacts to yeah. it. So again, like testing out some things and understanding that you know maybe like five beers and a and a cheeseburger is the best thing ever when you get out of the backcountry. <laughs> but if you're turning around to go on another trip, you might want to consider what that does. You know, and at that point, you're probably just replenishing some voids in your in your <laughs> nutrition system. Yeah, right. But you got to think about that stuff too, especially if you're thinking about a lot of guys do like four days in, one day out, right. four days in. You know. Well, yeah. you gotta replenish your beer supply, Jared. You can't can't be out there too long without beer. Doesn't have a floor. That's doesn't right. have a floor, man. Doesn't ever fill up. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing I wanted to cover is sleeping system. Sure. Again, backcountry hunting. You can backcountry hunt for whitetail. We're gonna be doing that this year. You can do it for elk and everything else. What's your like? What's your what? How do you handle that? What's your system uh, for for sleeping out on the backcountry? I think what I've seen is the bags have gotten really good, and the pads have also gotten really good. 
you know, we, we did just did a collaboration and just uh, won an award for our Kodiak two-person tent that we did with Nemo. Oh, cool. Yeah, those things are sweet. Phenomenal tent. It's, it's a great, great sleep system. I usually am where I'm usually bringing along some kind of sleeping pad, whether it's air-filled pad or a foam one. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I can also use the foam one for sort of a, a glassing pad, which is nice. Yeah. What you want to look for, too, is like if you're doing stuff in the cold, you want to look for how that pad is going to be able to mitigate temperature when you're sleeping on the ground. So a one way I do that is I, I get like an emergency blanket yep. or some kind of some kind of tarp that's lightweight. Some people just use Tyvek. And, you know, you can cut that to size just to, to act as just one more insulation layer between you and the ground. And then, honestly, a lot of guys will say, oh, you only need a 30-degree bag, and then you just wear your clothes right. in it. But actually how that down works is that it works better like if you were just bone naked, yep. you know? Because the way it, it works with your body is it, it allows you to breathe while also keeping you warm. So I recommend getting a zero-degree bag for anything, you know, after October. And then I sleep in, like, I try to sleep in just boxers and T-shirt because yeah. I think you stay a little more comfortable, and it allows the bag to do its job. We make a zero-degree sleeping bag called the Stalker that we did with Nemo. Yeah. And that thing is is awesome. It's got a pretty big foot, sort of foot vestibule, if you will, sort of foot box yeah. mm-hmm. that allows for like long guys to be able to stretch out a little bit. And I've recently been experimenting a little bit with the quilt system too. And that and then that way you're, you can wear sort of your external layer and then just use a quilt, whether it's uh, you know a three piece quilt that you can actually jump into or just a blanket. Yeah, I've been looking at those. That's an interesting thought. What's the advantage of that, you know, versus like the mummy style? Uh, just packability, I yeah. think. I mean, it's super lightweight. You're also able to use that as sort of a blanket when you're glassing or whatever, and you're you're stopped. Um, it's also extremely useful in emergency situations, and then also just as a sort of an ease of use yeah. compared to like a, a mummy style bag. But when it's really cold, you want to be utilizing the technology that that synthetic and real down brings to the table. Yeah, that. So, are you a, are you a pillow guy? Yeah, that's the last thing I was going to mention. Is like I will. I don't really like folding up a puffy jacket or whatever. But some of our backcountry hunts is just not feasible. So what I do is I I actually use like a a t shirt or a, some kind of zip up piece yeah. to shove some clothes into and just use that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not really getting the best sleep in the backcountry at times, so it's important to to be comfortable, right? And I think the pillow brings a lot of uh, leverage to that. One thing I will say is sometimes when you're sleeping on a a down jacket, it sometimes gets pretty hot. It does. Your face gets a little sticky. Yeah. So I, I actually <laughs> like to roll up like pieces pieces of down. Yeah. So sorry, pieces of merino, different kinds of jackets or whatever, and kind of just make a pillow. Yeah. What I've been doing is so you're you're on Compagre. I've got a the coat. I think like the first year you rolled it out, I got one, and it, yep. it goes into its pocket, becomes a pillow. Right. The right. trick is you take your neck gaiter. Nice. Put it around it mm. and then sleep on top of it so you don't get the face stick, but you can sleep uh, sleep pretty well. What if the pocket liner? Yeah, that's what awesome. What if the pocket liner was made out of merino? That would be handy, wouldn't it? Now you there got you a pillowcase go. oh, right there. There you go. That's a hot tips from the hot bugger <laughs> guys. Right. I like it. I like it. Are you reevaluating every year like your gear? Are you going back and, and like checking things out, taking things out, putting it in, stuff like that? I certainly have sort of my two by fours, so to speak. Like you know, I'm not switching out packs a lot or any of that stuff. Right. I'm always experimenting with boots because I, I like to see what's out there. And, and then clothing, I obviously we have a lot of new stuff that comes out every year, so I like to try it all and, yeah. and make it work. But I, I really think, like, you can't go wrong if you sort of, like, settle on the two-by-fours. So that's packs, boots, and, and sort of a sleep system. Yeah. But beyond that, I, I think it's it's crucial to continue to test stuff if you're if you're spending a lot of days in the woods. You know, if you're only if you're hunting 10 days a year, 
stuff's going to last you a long time. But, you know, if you spend a hundred days out there, sometimes stuff wears out and you need to replace and, yeah. and reevaluate. But I like to see what, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really a, a gear junkie, right. so to speak. I, I enjoy gear, but I, I feel like I, I'm more of a minimalist. So I like to kind of, I can get by on less stuff. That's kind of the best thing. Sure. Yeah. So when, what I found, especially getting ready for like whitetail or going out west, turkey season is a great time to check to try a lot of this stuff out. Like early yeah, spring, sure. we'll take, we'll go and we'll actually do public land, a little bit of backcountry up in northern Michigan, turkey hunting. Nice. And it's a great time to check. Mm-hmm. Like we tried out ba- uh, bags, packs, boots, water. Yeah, different water filtration, just stuff like you're kind of in a real environment, but you also you're not like screwed if you don't you know have the right thing although the last couple of years it snowed on us turkey hunting which kind of blows yeah, kind of sucks. <laughs> that's good man i think uh i think it's good to have those kind of inclement situations where it's not going to kill you to understand right. how that stuff works better you know yeah, yeah you're still you're still kind of close to civilization if you have to go back and grab something and come back out yeah, yeah definitely don't underestimate on backcountry hunts the the value of a sort of an off day yep. mm-hmm. i think that's been some of the best advice too is just Going out and, and sitting in a truck and sort of enjoying the finer things for a day that gives you a little bit of rejuvenation and morale boost for sure. I have a hard that's I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time not hunting because I feel guilty yeah. when I'm out there. But like yeah, this yeah. past year, that's when I saw the the, the absolute biggest buck I've <laughs> ever drive seen. Back into town. I ru- I'm driving back into town and like I see right when when you enter the public land area like an 180 class buck just across like just crossing the road. Biggest deer I saw that entire weekend was on the morning we took off nice yeah that's how it goes man i think uh it's it's tough you can't you can't kill them from the couch and i think it's important to, to spend as much time as you can out there and especially if you're on limited days but you know the the reset day is also pretty crucial well kevin thanks for taking the time to talk with us again today it's good to have you back yeah my pleasure guys and if there's any uh, questions or whatever folks can shoot me an instagram message i'm just at k underscore harlander happy to answer any questions people have about gear and especially on our new 2020 stuff that'll be dropping this spring. So make sure to tune in to firstslide.com to understand a little bit more about what's coming and when you can get it. Wonderful. Well, Sweet. excellent. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to have you back, talk some more. And uh, in the meantime, we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boga Hunting Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and want to follow along on what we're currently up to, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on and follow us on Instagram at Boga Hunting. Join us next week as we continue on our out-of-state hunt planning by covering choosing an outfitter, if that's your route. We're going to be talking with a gentleman who probably has the best first-hand experience and advice in this area, so we're really happy to have him back on the show. So join us next week, and we'll see you then.